I'll always tell it like it is, that's the bottom line If you just living to exist, you want borrowed time Don't ever let them take your soul, no, no, no Don't ever let them take your soul, no, no, no I'll always tell it like it is, that's the bottom line If you just living to exist, you want borrowed time Don't ever let them take your soul, no, no, no Don't ever let them take your soul, no, no, no That's the bottom line that's the bottom line, yeah, that's the bottom, that's the bottom line, that's the bottom. The alcohol, because it was killing him. Literally, the doctor told him, if you drink, you die. Yeah. And he was able to, like, I, I, uh, I bought his book on audio books, like, the day before I was interviewing him, and I listened to it in a single sitting. And in, as he delivers that line, I'm thinking, yeah, that ain't enough. No, you know, no, no, I mean, I'm no. I'm laughing to myself, which I think every person in recovery can has not a laugh of laughing at somebody else, but a laugh of recognition, yes. right? Like that ain't gonna do it, buddy. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. That that ain't gonna do it. You yeah. ain't gonna, you ain't scaring an alcoholic. I don't care. He, I mean, he was in the hospital for for two and a half months, I think, and only could take food liquid, yeah. right? And, or IV actually, right? And uh, and then finds out, gets some bad news, and instantly, ten, nine years later. Nine years, it was enough, right, to not pick up, not to change, not to get better, not to become a more enlightened person. Okay. Uh, but it was just enough for him to not pick up that drink. And then he got some, some news that devastated him, right? He found out he was adopted at 35 years old. Okay. And immediately, like, just drinking to punish himself, drinking to die, drinking on that long sort of, but I asked the question as I, as I was lis- listening to his book, I was making notes. Sure. And, and I looked down and saw a paragraph that I wrote and I wasn't even really aware that I wrote it. Right. We live in a society where, you know, all these young kids, everybody wants to be famous, right? Everybody wants to be famous. Everybody wants to be, be a celebrity, <laughs> a celebrity, right? Which I don't even like, I remember when I was a kid, people wanted to be an actor, people wanted to be a singer, people wanted to be, they wanted to be famous, but the word celebrity was like this thing that came afterwards, sure, right? Yeah. I want to be a celebrity, right? And, and I, I looked down and what I wrote was, you're in the biggest rap group in the world. You made all this money, you've been on the cover of Pioneers. all these magazines. You're absolute pioneer mm-hmm. and it's not enough. <laughs> it's just not enough, right? And, and, and we talked about, sort of how fame even contributed to the problem, right? And we talked about it here, right? So if you're famous, if, if, if it's socially acceptable, the things that you're doing, right, you're not looking at it internally. You're like, I'm performing for these people. External. I'm getting that, that, uh, that piece of cheese, that right? validation. Yeah, absolutely. I'm getting that validation that I need. They like me. They love me. They accept me. And not only that, but they encourage me, uh-huh. right? So I, I just feel like this, this obsession in this country to, with young people where everybody wants to be famous. Everybody's got a YouTube. Everybody's got a this or that. People are jumping off buildings. I feel like, man, you guys contributed to such a big problem in this country <laughs> doing the stuff that you guys were doing. Yeah. Like there's so many crazy people out there doing things to, to fill voids and to, to find acceptance from other people when, you know, if we can just get right with ourselves, if we can do the work, which is, I mean, it's the hardest thing to do, right? Is to just, is to look 
this way, ah. right? It's the hardest thing to do is to look this way and to say, I don't like who I am. I don't like what I'm doing. I don't, I don't really even know how I got here, right? Um, I, I can remember being out in prison, going to meetings, and feeling like this is an amazing program for them. Mm-hmm. But this is not going to work for me because I'm not worthy of it. Okay. In fact, if they knew who I was, I wouldn't even be welcome here in this meeting, in this prison, right? Like this is as bad as it gets, right? But I'm not even good enough to be here, right? And then, so, and I was just running game. I, I wasn't trying to get, I wasn't trying to get sober or trying to get clean. I was just trying to get out. Sure. sure. I was doing six to nine years. So. I didn't want to do nine years. If I did nine years, I'd be over 30, which was prehistoric. Yeah. Right? And, uh, and then, thank God. That, that that thought creeped into my mind one day, walking through the big yard, that maybe it can work for me. And it was just a passing thought, just maybe. And then I started to, you know, I wasn't, I didn't come to, I, I never went to treatment, right? Never went to treatment, never even knew what any 12-step program was, never even heard wow. of them. Like, just, it just was a, I wasn't even able to connect the trouble and the damage that I was doing, and my brokenness, and and that the, and the fact that I was medicating myself all that time that I was I didn't think that that drugs and alcohol were my problem. Right. I I knew I was the problem. I was crazy. Yeah, you know. So getting to that place um, of I'm willing to do whatever somebody tells me to do at this point, yeah. right? And I had it was a guy Greg D who used to come to the meeting. And, and I was in Gardner State Prison in Massachusetts. And, uh, and I couldn't just go to the meeting. I had to run the meeting, right? <laughs> yeah, so I was course. signing papers. I was setting up chairs. <laughs> I was making copies. I was doing the sure. whole thing, right? Because I was really Rightfully trying so. to, I had to create the solution, right? Mm-hmm. And so this guy would come every week and he would say, uh, hey, Jim, how you doing, man? Right? Because we, we would have a few minutes before the thing got started, before people got there. And he would say, how you doing? And he would like, man, I remember when I was in this situation, Right? And, uh, and now I know that I don't ever have to be in this situation again because I'm living this life based on doing these simple things, right? And he was like, here, man, here's, here's my number. Call me. And I'm like, I'm in prison. I got nothing to offer anybody. And I'm looking at his number and I'm thinking, what is he after? Sure. What's he trying to What's get out of me? He, there's a hustle here, Absolutely. right? And then I remember taking the chance, right? Sometimes it's just about doing something different. It's doing something that... Our whole body, our whole mind, our whole being is saying, don't do that. Whatever you do, don't do that. And just saying, I got to do something different and trying it. And I called him and his wife would take the calls. His kids would take the calls. And then I remember it was, it was a year and I hadn't used. And I was moving through the system. I was going to lower and lower levels of security, which I had never done. The first time I went to prison, I went to maximum security and I stayed there the whole time. Right? Um... This guy drove a, he drove a hundred miles to come and see me and he brought me this, this coin, right? And he said, it's been 365 days back to back. You earn this here. And then he didn't ask me for gas money. He didn't ask me for anything. We talked for a little while and he said, I'll see you later. Call me. Right. And that was it. And he left. I don't think it was until then that I really started to believe what people were telling me. Sure. I don't really think I believe, like, I always had an angle, no matter what it was, right? 
if I wasn't doing something for you unless there was something in it for me. Absolutely. And this guy was absence of motive, took this ride, brought me this thing, and just said, you earned it. You did it. I didn't do it. You did it. And I was like, I did something, man. Like, I did something. And someone recognized yeah, it. And because I, I never did anything. I never did anything. I never accomplished sure, anything. Saw it I didn't set out to, and that's the beauty of a day at a time, living your <laughs> life a day at a time, right? Because if I say I'm going to accomplish this, I'm going to get a year, I'm going to get 10 years, I'm going to get 30 years, right? Impossible. Not even, because I'm built to fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I can just get through today, right? If I can just get through today, just if I can just take that information, put it into practice just right now, this moment and for today, right? The days just start to add up, right? So you said you're, you're sneaking up on five years. Yeah. Um, you know, impossible. That if you went back to the park uh. and, and try to find one person that would even think you would be alive right now, yeah. right? You probably wouldn't be able to find a person, right? No. But for me, it's like, the power of this thing, and for me, I have to be completely honest, for me, the power of God that yes. to, to take what I was and who I was, right? And, he, and they were showing, he was showing me stuff all along the way, pointing me in a direction, and I would avoid it. Like, yeah. play, I'll go the other way. Yeah. I, was in, I was in maximum security state prison, faking, going to, the, going to the meetings, faking it, and Mother Teresa came to the prison I was in. At the time, I was like, I knew that I was in the presence of somebody special, right? But in hindsight, now I look back and I know he sent her there for me specifically, not for anybody yeah. else. Whatever anyone else got out of it is, and I'm sure there are other miracles, right? But he sent her specifically there for me, for me to see the, the, his face, Absolutely. Right? To see, and, and it changed everything for me, right? But it wasn't enough. It was like you drink, you die, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I, I walked away from it. I get, you know, I, my, my sort of MO has always kind of been in, in, in this journey of recovery now. It's 30 some odd years. It's like I do the work to get to this place, which I think is the desired shore of faith, mm -hmm. right? And then I go, what a great job I've done. Yes. As soon as I do that, and no matter how many times I've done it in the past, I do it again. I forget why I'm in this position. And I think it's all because of me. And it's because I'm a great guy or I'm somehow special, right? When I'm just really just a run-of-the-mill kind of a, mm -hmm. a guy that, you know, and we talked, you, you, you touched on it earlier. You didn't know that your defects would turn, be turned into assets, right? So only for me, again, only for me, only God can do that. Only God can take this scoundrel, right? This thief, liar, cheat, criminal, you know, whatever, homeless, you name it, and then, and then take all that and turn, it, turn those things into assets so that I can reach somebody else that's stuck in this hole that I was stuck in, right? And that my story will have depth and weight yeah. and that they can look at me, right? So when we talked about BAM, I know there's going to come a time when you're going to play a role in him getting his life together. 
right? You're going to play a role. You don't see it now. He sure. don't see it now. You're, I'm sure you're ready and available yeah. anytime. Yeah. But we, we have sort of our story, our, our journey, our pain, our loss, our suffering just makes us more credible to the person that we come in contact with, right? And that's what it's all about. It ain't about, I don't wear, you know, I was showing you uh, 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 prison IDs that I just got that the Department of uh, Corrections in Massachusetts, I, I asked for them to send them to me for a, for a book that I'm writing, right? But um, sometimes I show them to people and I, and I don't show them to people like, oh, look, I was a hard guy, right? I show them as an example of what is possible. The transformation. What is possible. And so little of it has to do with me. You yeah. know, I woke up in the morning and made the decision today I'm going to try again. I'm just going to try again. Will you help me? I'm going to try again today to try to get through the day without causing too much damage. I right? would say it works when I don't work it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I can get out of yeah. my way and, and give it over to my higher power. Yeah. You know, but the beauty and everything that you just shared, and I was right there with you, man, is, is, is the beauty of awareness. Yep. Right. Um, I, uh, you know, private matter that I'm addressing in my life sure. at this very present moment yep. on this very present trip is I, I, I did something that put me in a position that I'm not very proud of yeah. right, at all. And, and I inflicted some pain on someone mm. I really care about. And it, it, I've, you know, through my journey, I've had this spiritual experience and I, I, I'm a child of God and, and I, I don't do well with hurting people yep. I didn't think this decision through basically. And, uh, and, and I, 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 it, I was addressed. It was brought to my attention sure. and I, I had to sit here and endure, you know, someone telling me how, how much I hurt them and crying and, and, it, mm. and it, it's, it, it broke me to the core. And, and my first initial response or reaction was, okay, I'm going to cut this short. Uh, I'll finish this today, and then I, but I have stuff to film Monday, but I'll call that off. And I call my sponsor, and he said, no, you're going to be honest. Yep. You're going to sit through this. And I've been doing that. And um, despite how, and, and then last night I went and I did this two-hour workout thing, and then from there I went to a meeting at 10, 13, mm. and, and then I was at a midnight meeting. But I know what to do, and I know most importantly that God is at work here, mm. removing character defects of mine that I'm not willing to get rid of, or right. I was not willing to get sure. rid of because for whatever reason. And now, you know, the advice that I give my sponsees is being inflicted upon me. And I know that God is seriously at work, and that one day this defect will become an asset. But I have to do the most uncomfortable thing in the world and mm. sit here and, and weather the storms that I have created sober. And that is a painful. As I'm going through this last night, I've quit smoking over, over a year and a half ago. And, 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 and I'm really proud of that. And, and I've turned it over to God and I ask God to remove the obsession, lift sure. the desire of drinking, drugging, and smoking. Right? It's been good. And as I'm enduring this this really painful meeting on, on both parties someone walks by smoking and in my mind in a mm. conscious second i said i'm gonna smoke a cigarette that might seem really trivial to most but to me yeah the thinking is still alive and in a split second and and that terrified me yeah you know so much okay i'm gonna i have to go and i still have to work i have to be professional sure. in all my other areas of life but deep down, you know, there, 
it, there's I'm going through something. Mm. Um, but I know that it's all God. I know it. And I feel really good in knowing that. Because left to my own devices, I'll smoke that cigarette and then I'll leave, I'll fly out and, sure. and avoid all this. Yep. And, and it's, all, it's not a matter of if, but simply when, when a glass yep. of wine will, will look like I can do it different. It's only wine. That's it. If, I mix, it. if I mix it with milk. I've been sober almost five years. Yeah. I'm a homeowner, so I won't yeah. be homeless anymore. Right. I work in treatment. I can make one phone call <laughs> and get 80 treatment centers like that for free. It's so, that, that story is so funny. I went on a job interview one time. And I uh, hadn't smoked in like five years. Went in a job interview and I found out Friday, Monday, I had a job interview. I'm five years sober working in a treatment center. And then this is like a, a, an elevated job in this treatment world. Sure. I would have I been working at a, at a hospital as a case manager. Okay. And so I spent the weekend, instead of preparing for the interview, I spent the weekend preparing what I was going to wear sure. to the interview. Right? So I, go to the, <laughs> so I go to the interview and... I started talking to the, the people that were interviewing me and, um, and the guy says, so, you know, what are you going to do? And like, if you were to get this job, what would you do? And I started talking about, you know, I would hope to, uh, you know, help people learn from my own experience and da, 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 da. And he was like, oh, so you're going to inspire people like Jesse Jackson. And I was like, oh, this ain't going well. And this thing turned so fast, so bad. At the end of the interview. Again, I'm laughing with. Yeah, of course. No, I'm laughing at me. Listen, at the end of the interview, I say to them, wow, clearly I'm not the guy for the job, right? But whoever you hire, the, the clients are going to be in good hands because you're doing such a great yes. job and you're really thorough. Mm -hmm. And I walked outside in that thing that happened to you, somebody walking by smoking, I, I said, can I have a cigarette? Really? And I smoked the cigarette and smoked again for another five years. Really? Right? And, uh, and I got the job. Huh. I had the job before <laughs> I went to the interview. It was, it was a done deal. They knew who I was. They knew what I was oh, capable of. It was a formality. I great. got the job, but I still got stuck. I'm smoking. Wow. Yeah, man. Yeah, and it could easily be. Wow. And that, for me, is like... Thank God it was only a cigarette. And you got the job. Right. And I got the Left job. Left to your own devices. Oh, though. God. I was, I was so wow. embarrassed and humiliated, <laughs> right? And now you're a smoking, embarrassed, humiliated individual. And employed. <laughs> and employed, <laughs> right? Hey, and every time I that went out to smoke a cigarette story. at that job. Wow. I would, and then, you know what was... Thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. I needed to hear that. You know, and you know wow. what's funny about this thing that we have funny about this thing that, that we really have that hit me the guy that interviewed me relapsed soon after that and was lifting he was lifting computers he was lifting laptops from <clears throat> from the place we work right and uh i don't ever remember thinking um i always remember i didn't like him very much when i walked out of that interview <laughs> but when i found out he was taking com computers I liked him a lot yeah. more. I was not because he was <laughs> like me, but I just felt for him. Right. I felt for him. I felt like that's exactly what I would be doing. Right. I would yeah. first, I, if I relapse, the first thing I do is start stealing from everybody right in my, sure. right in my vicinity. And he was like a big boss. Yeah. So he would be the last person that they would think of. Um, and I don't even know where that guy is today. And I, and I hope that he, that he, he found his way back. But, um, so tell me about Brandon Novak. 
today. I know that you are working in the treatment space. I know that you're also writing another book, yeah. right? Bring us up to speed today. And I want to thank you also for, for sharing. I think sometimes when we share about our recovery and we, we tell this story, it, it never seems to go to, and then just recently I did something that hurt me because I hurt somebody else. These interviews usually don't, nobody says, oh, right now, I just, this is, I'm in this space right now. I'm really struggling right now. So I want to thank you for, for that. Right? I thought about it. Yeah, you know, I, and, and I appreciate that. I, I was, I, I've, because <clears throat> the stakes of me drinking again are, are so insanely yeah, high. Yeah, and, man. And like, I, I take this thing so serious, this, mm. this precious gift that has been delivered to me only through my higher power. Yeah. I'm not capable of producing the results for which you see me in. Mm. Left to my own devices, this whole room will go into a cooker, a needle, I yep. bang it, and it will make sense. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and this is one of the tougher times that I've had in my sobriety, yep. right? And uh, because I've I had this heightened awareness, right? I'm this God conscious guy, mm. and uh, it doesn't sit right, right? And um, therefore, the stakes are higher. I know what's on the line here, and and, but you have to be professional. I have to right. carry on with my day to day. And, sure. and I said, all right, <clears throat> there's a time and place for everything. This wouldn't be the time or place. But somewhere during this, the time and place presented mm. itself. And it was only through the God, sure. my understanding. Absolutely. Um, and, and in doing that and becoming very vulnerable, which I normally am, but I just didn't think that this was the time or place for it. I'm, I'm an open book now. Yeah. When it serves me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, honesty is such a powerful <laughs> tool when it serves us. And I want to just say something too, just because people can't see. There's like, you know, four or five other people in the room here, right? Running cameras, running sound, lights, listening in. Um, but this thing, this, this, the intimacy of this thing that we share in recovery, right? And knowing that we both sort of suffered this this pain and this tra these tragedies and this brokenness, and we've come through the other side, right? Um, it makes it, that conversation, it's such an intimate conversation. We're trying to present it as it's a super intimate conversation. It's just you and me in a room, right? Clearly, there's other people here, but it is. It really it's is. It really is just this real intimate thing. This, I talk a lot about, um, you know, recovery leveling the playing field, Right? that it don't matter where you've been, what you've done, what you got, what you're going to get, whatever it is. It, none of that matters. When you present yourself to me as a person in recovery, we're right here. Yeah. The only thing that might be different, and it's only different to people at accounting, is the amount of time. Because the most important thing I've learned in the amount of time that I've been blessed with recovery is, it's all about today. What am I doing today? to be of service? What am I doing today to be the best version of me I can be, right? If I can keep it in that, then I have a shot of being a fairly decent person, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, like getting out of my own way and being a service to others is like, this is my life's work, right? Not because I want to do things for people because most times I don't want to do yeah, things for people. I can relate. But the benefit that I get from showing the kindness in 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 uh, in in trying to love somebody else is uh, the benefit. It's what I always search for in getting high. Yeah. Right. It's 
I mean, it's beautiful. So I just wanted to share that with folks to, so that they understand that, yeah, it's, this is a very intimate conversation. But there are other people here, but somehow they just disappear, right? Sure. I think of the movie, uh, I think, uh, not Tin Cup, but it was, a, it was a golf movie. And every time the guy stepped up to the tee box, he had this way of making everybody just disappeared, and all he saw was the flag in the distance, Right. And when I do this with another person in recovery, when I sit down and we go, that's what happens is everything else falls away. Right. And it's just, there's just this real intimate connection. And, uh, and it, it, I feel blessed to be a part of it, right. To, to witness somebody else's journey and to witness them, that awareness, that self-awareness that you talked about for you to say, Hey, you know what? I'm going through something right now. Yeah. Right. I'm not all better. I'm never going to be all better. I'm flawed. Right. I have tools now. Yeah. Right. Um, and my perception, my perception is skewed. Yeah. And sure. I know that I recognize yeah. that. So therefore I share this with you. The time presents itself unbeknownst yep. to me and it comes out. And then you, you share with me an experience that you had. Yeah. Not even relatable, but 100% relatable about yeah. this interview. Yeah. And, and then when you started, I said, this is a weird correlation, a yeah. job interview from what I just shared. But hey, yeah. let's see where it goes. Yeah. And that lesson it taught me was invaluable. Yeah. <laughs> because I know with my perception being so skewed, this will not play out as I perceive it will. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's so much bigger and broader and, and grander than, than I can see. And, and I don't have the ability to see that. So, you know, you share it. It actually brought me, it kind of get it overwhelmed me. And I don't mm. get overwhelmed much. Mm. Um, and that, that's, I did not see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Yeah. I did. Well. So that, my friend, I thank you. So there was a question, there and was. then we, you and I like to travel <laughs> down very hole, different, ro- different holes. Um, so tell me about Brandon Novak today, yeah. his life today. What are you up to? What's going on? Tell us about the book you're writing. Tell us about the work that you're doing. Tell today, us how you fill your day. You know, today, uh, my mother, the one that, that, that bought that plot for me, the one that, that bought life insurance policies out of me, the, the one that prayed for my death, the one that... That served me with a restraining order at mm. 35 years old to be physically removed from her home um, because I was literally killing her. Sure. Uh, yesterday, I bought her tickets to a Rod Stewart concert front row. Mm. That 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 that's my dreams. Nice. Um, I am a son to my mother, a brother to my sister, I'm a, I'm a brother to my brother, uncle to my nieces. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a productive member of society. Uh, a tax-paying member of society. Uh, I'm employable. I own a couple businesses. Uh, I, my lost dreams have become awoken, mm-hmm. right? Uh, uh, that book that I told you about, I had written Dream Seller, right? A funny story, quick tutorial. I'll make it really brief. The day the book was being released in Times Square in New York City to Barnes & Nobles, uh, my literary agents were there, my manager was there, my publisher was there. These very well-to-do people sure. in the Scally world were there. I, and I was there that day, and I, I was ill. I didn't have yeah. any dope. And my people yeah. wouldn't give me any money for any dope because what sure. I didn't understand then that I see now is it would not be a good look, me sitting at a table doing an autograph signing of a book that I had written on addiction mm. while nodding out on sure. heroin. Yep. But the disease from which I possess, I don't have the privilege to say, you know, I have to work for a couple hours. I'll get right back with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think calls, I answer. So I'm at, I'm at this, this book release for my own book, and, and I can't get any money. And, and all of a sudden, they wheel my books in on this dolly, in these mm. boxes. And they set the displays up. 
and, and, and I have a buddy of mine with me from Baltimore, and he doesn't feel good either that yeah, day. Yeah, sure. And him and I, we take one look at each other. We don't say a word, but we have a complete conversation, that language of the heart untreated. Yep. You will. I stand up. I grab two boxes of my books. He grabbed two boxes of my books. We run out of the bookstore to the train station, catch the next train from Penn Station back to Baltimore to sell my own books that I had stolen from myself, from my own book release party that I had written on addiction. I'm now taking to sell to get money to buy more oh dope. <laughs> I had a three-book deal at that time. Yeah, Right there on demand, they ripped that contract <laughs> up. Rightfully so. Sure. Right? Um, the book does extremely well, despite I do extremely bad. Right. The book was just recently re-released in its ninth edition. Mm. 90% of books don't get past their first Absolutely, edition. Absolutely, yeah. Um, say that to say, the last revised revision of that book came out 14 months ago with a new cover, uh, a new ending, two bonus chapters, and a new epilogue. Mm. Since that, I, I came out with the first ever addiction graphic novel, The, Con the Chronicles of Brandon Novak. It's never been done. Yeah. The sequel to that book will be out in one month. Two more books to follow. I have a documentary going to the Sundance and the Cannes Film Festival. Mm. Uh, this isn't me bragging or boasting. This yeah. is me simply saying, God willing, making this thing of attraction rather than promotion. The guy that was deemed unhelpable and mm -hmm. fixable. If you want what I have, do what I do and you can get what I got. Like right. you said, there's nothing special about me. Right. Uh, I'm a run-of-the-mill alcoholic just doing what I need to do to get better. Uh, and I now find myself working uh, in the drug and alcohol treatment field. Uh, I work for Banyan Treatment Center. We have 13 facilities nationwide. I'm not going to go into that spiel. Sure. Um, I'm a motivational speaker. Um, I speak in colleges. I, I just got signed uh, to do this big FBI event. You know, Now, like the FBI <laughs> and the DEA cut me checks. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, my defects have become my assets. I'm mm. coming up on five years of sobriety. I go through things. I just share with you. I go through things in life. And you're looking at a guy who was an active heroin and cocaine user for 21 years straight. Mm. Active alcoholic, drank, sniffed, smoked, ate for 25 years. Minus one year out of all those years. And that was only due to incarceration. Sure. So it was by force, not by choice that I gave it up. Right. Now coming up on five years of continuous sobriety, who one is confronted with things that I don't, particularly uh want to to address the last thing if ever at all and it hasn't even been is a thought of like i could do a little bit of heroin and this will be okay mm. that's that's monumental that's you know and sometimes i need to remember that that in the beginning all i wanted was just not to get high right i can get lost in the the, the accessories of life and and, and, and I need to remember that all I wanted when I came in here was just, all I wanted was to just not feel how I felt anymore. Mm. They, used to, they used to talk about, they used to talk about, uh, a guy used to ask a question all the time. He used to say, um, when I walked in here, if I made a list of all the things I wanted, the list would have been this big. Yeah. Right? I want a place to sleep. Mm -hmm. I don't want to drink or get high today. Yeah. I want to, you know, maybe a, a color TV. Sure. Right? In this place to live. Right? And now our lives are so full. Right? There's so many. Like I, when I, in, in early recovery, I spent all my time working on the outside. 
Sure. Right? I was gold chains, mm-hmm. fancy sneakers, closets full of stuff that I never wore, right? It was all filling voids. But if I have to be 100% honest, it was also evidence in the beginning that not using was paying off. Yeah. Because when I used, if you, if you said, hey, can you hold this ring, mm-hmm. this chain, this whatever <laughs> for me, I'll get it back for me tomorrow, they wouldn't be out of my sight and I'd be selling it Absolutely. to get more, right? And so I had things. And then I had this very rude awakening at five years, right? And I think it's, it, it's important to tell this story at the moment or where you are now in your, in your journey was at five years of, of, of no drinks, no drugs, millions of, of meetings, but no work, uh-huh. right? I was in a hotel at an AA convention in Atlanta, Georgia, and I was up in the penthouse, pockets full of money, balling, the whole thing, right? Too cheap to pay for the banquet, though, right? Because <laughs> sure. I, I, I just felt like they should just give yeah, me a ticket. Oh, that on. is beneath you. But I'm up there, and, and then the overwhelming thought, came back into my mind about not wanting to be alive anymore and thinking about jumping off the roof. Five years without a drink uh. or a drug, I want to jump off the roof. And literally the best thing I could come up with at that moment was, let me get down to the ground floor because I can't yeah. jump off the ground yeah. floor, yeah. right? And see, I know where that thought came from and all the things that happened immediately after that, I know now I can only attribute them to God. I go downstairs, I don't go into the, into the banquet of this um, uh, convention. I go in the overflow room, and this guy's speaking, and he's speaking about, he's all, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. He's also from Boston, and he's talking about his journey in recovery very early on. And um, he said some things that just blew me away, right? He was just so honest and so brutal, and I was like, finally, that's my guy. Here's a guy, what am I going to say to him that will shock him? Sure. Because I thought I was different. I thought I was unique. Yes. I thought I didn't need to do the things that they were doing. Mm-hmm. I just needed to polish up the outside so yeah. that you could see I was doing well. Sure. And I went to that guy and I said to him, uh, an hour ago, I wanted to jump off the roof. And he was just like, he just, this smile came on his face. And he was like, you're going to be all right, man. He's like, I really appreciate you trusting me. To say that too. I really appreciate you. Like, like you think that I have something to offer sure. you. Here's my number. Call me. Let's get together back in Boston. And I got to save my life. Like I saved my life, but I was in that spot, right? Five years without a drink or a drug. So if you're watching this and you're, and you don't really have a true understanding of this thing, this addiction thing that we have, uh, it's not about the substance. It's not about, oh. it's, that's all, that's my medication. Uh-huh. What you see and uh, what you see as the thing tearing a drug addict or an alcoholic apart, they see as the thing, there's the glue holding them yeah, together. It holds us to, yeah. That is the glue it holding is. us together. So, um, <laughs> without that. <laughs> <sighs> so listen, yes, we've been sitting here for a long time. We've been talking. I've appreciated our conversation. Um, I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate your um, your willingness to serve, right? Because this is, for me, this is service. Sure. Right? This is not, I don't know how many people are going to watch this. I really don't care. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? This is not Same. about, there's no monetary uh, uh, 
bucket of at the end of the rainbow from me with this. This is just an opportunity to have conversations with people. And it's an opportunity for people to have something that might be in a spot and can't get to where they need to get to and can just listen at yeah. home and say, sit home in their underwear. Right. Someone asked me, said, oh, what's the, what's the, you know, what's the ratings like on the viewings? Yeah. I said, I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Me either. I don't look. I don't yeah. ask. Yeah. I did count the first, concern. first couple of episodes I did count, but it's not about, it's about, for me, it's about, this is an opportunity to reach people. This is an opportunity to be of service. And to be quite honest, it's an opportunity to have this conversation with people, right? This is, this is one of the joys of my life, having this conversation with people. I was brought yeah. here to have this today. Yeah. Not by you. Yeah, sure. Like, there's a, such a bigger play at hand here. Right. You know, the, yep. I, there's nothing by chance or coincidence that, that happens. What's there, 9 billion people, give or take, roughly yep. in the world? Roughly. Uh, I could be anywhere doing yep. anything with mm. anyone I want. You could be anywhere doing anything you want with anyone you want. For some reason, mm. a power greater than ourselves saw fit for our stars to line our past across and us come head to head in New Orleans. To, yep. to then do something in Baltimore for you to say, hey, come here yep. during this time. Sure. It, it's not, you know, why? I could have, mm -hmm. you know, been two hours earlier or later for a certain appointment that would have held me up or pushed me forward. And sure. The, yeah. nine, over 9 billion people. Don't want to miss out on this. No. I don't want to miss out on this. I so, don't. So listen, I want to tell you that, uh, that I appreciate you. I appreciate you uh, giving of your time. Um, I appreciate your honesty, like I said. And, um, I mean, I look forward to what, what God has in store for both of us. Cause I know already that our paths are aligned to cross yeah. a few more times. We just agreed to do, I think six more summits. Yeah. So, Such you know, a beautiful thing you have going on. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing that, you know, when we talk about our, 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 shortcomings and our, and our brokenness and all those things becoming assets, right? For me, God's not, I think God likes to show off sometimes, right? He's like, yeah, you won't be able to like reach an individual person, right? But now let's, I'm going to show off a little bit. We're going to put you in a room with 10,000 people right. and show people what's possible, not what you did, right? Not it's possible <laughs> if you can just do what Jim did and be Jim. No, because I have very little to do with it, yeah. if any, yeah. if anything. Yeah. Right? Um, but he just, he just, he's just showing off, right? He's like, listen, and this is a huge, we're living in a, in an opioid epidemic in our country right now. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people have died. Um, and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people are walking around right now in full blown addiction, right? The thing, uh, you know, so we're in, we're in wall street production studio here. We're in Fort Lauderdale. We're in, my kind of neighborhood in Fort Lauderdale. Mm -hmm. So the Salvation Army I is, recognize is that. five doors down here. Behind me is a local Boys and Girls Club. And Multiple all around bells, me. Bonds. Yeah. yeah, lots of Few bail bondsmen. And, and lots of folks struggling. Sure. Right? Lots of folks. It's funny. My friend was driving over here yesterday and somebody threw a brick through his window while he was driving. Oh, wow. I mean, it's a, it's a colorful neighborhood. It's exciting. Mm -hmm. Right? But it's where I feel most comfortable. Right? I need to be on the front lines. Sure. Right? And the front lines for me today have, they, they look very different on any given day. Sometimes this is the front lines for me, right? Talking about my difficulties, hearing stories from other people, 
about their difficulties and how they were able to overcome them and things like that. That's the front line for right now this morning. Now tonight, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Literally. Right? Who Literally. knows? But um, but I feel blessed to have you here. I feel blessed. Equally. I feel I feel um, I feel privileged, right, to get to know you even a little more deeply, right? And and I feel like a lot of what you've talked about today, we talked about before, right? But I think what sealed it for me is that sort of awareness in yourself that you said, listen, I'm struggling right now. And I know that the way this thing works is I got to talk about it. I got to open up yeah. to another person. I can't afford not right? to. And I can't. So for me, I feel privileged. Anytime anybody feels safe in there, in, 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 a, in a space with me to say, I am here, or I'm going through this, or this happened, or, or Daryl Mack and I talked about it the other day, is when somebody comes up to you and says, I've never said this to another person before, right? That's heavy-duty stuff, man. That's like they see something in you. God has revealed something to them about you that makes them feel like it, they're, they're okay, to, to share this with you. So I appreciate you um, doing that. I, I appreciate, um, I really appreciate your service, right? Being out there, being on the front line, sharing your difficulties and, and overcoming them. And it, it makes people think it's possible that I can get out of this hole I'm in. Yeah. It's possible. That's the move. I don't have to stay in this hole this That's guy it. did it. That's the name of the game. This guy did it. And if he can do it, and I, I got to tell you, man. And then, yeah. then something uh, game-changing takes place. Yeah. The terms of the contract have just changed. Yep. If he can do it, there's no reason why I can't. Remember right. I said we're defiant by nature. Yep. We hate authority. We'll never conform unless it becomes our idea. Yep. All of a sudden, Jim did it. Yep. I, Brandon, can do it. Yep. Guess what? Now it became my idea. He ain't no Guess smarter than me. I'm excelling yeah. at a rapid pace because it's my idea. Yep. You're not telling me what to do. Yep. I want to do this. Well, brother, thank you. I appreciate you. I love you. I love you too, and uh, and I look forward to seeing you this year at the summits. Absolutely, I'm a man. Love you. God bless.